Hello, welcome back to another week of the European Tour Picks and Bets Dutch Open Preview. Skylar Hoke here with you. Tom Jacobs, how's it going? I'm good. I'm good. I'm fully recovered from uh, Wentworth yesterday. Um, you know, got a little sun. I can see it in your face. Yeah, this is. Uh, you know, I don't get out much, so you know, you, you get out into the sunshine, and it wasn't as bad as the Open Championship. I nearly good. died at the Open Championship. I lived here, so you know, there's plenty of trees around at Wentworth, so we're good. Um, but yeah, you can definitely spot the English guy when they go to. <laughs> well, it was a heck of a Sunday we had. You know, Billy Horschel obviously coming out on top with a spectacular um, round on Sunday. We saw Affy Barnrat really make some noise coming out so hot. I mean, <laughs> Horschel is a good winner, a great golfer. Um, would have I preferred potentially seeing some of our, our guys maybe make a run at it? Would have been a really big win for, for Laurie Cantor's resume. Not to know his first one. Sean Crocker is just so close to, to breaking through with one and you could see him do it on the biggest of stages. Um, but what were your takes on the event? So I, I decided to follow very, you know, I think it, the mistake I make at golf is because we talk about it so much to try and follow everyone around, try and get a little bit of snippets of everyone. Then you miss everything. You see one oh, shot yeah. of everyone and none of the action. Right. So yesterday I was like, right, I'm going to follow. It was perfect. It was like burnt Wiesberg was playing with Sean Crocker. And I was like, let's follow burn see how he deals with the pressure of the Ryder Cup. And let's just see this guy, Sean Crocker, at ball strike, he's, you know, for the life of him. But very early on, I it looked to me like either Wiesberger was genuinely absolutely delighted with what was going on. He was smiling everywhere, or he was just trying to fake it. And I couldn't quite work out which one it was. He was picking people out of the crowd, laughing at them. At one point, I thought he was just laughing directly at my face. I had no idea what was going on. I turned to my... I turned to my fiance and said, like, is he, is he looking at me? Or, you know, it was just him and his caddy were just laughing at something. I think they were just trying to take their their mind off of things. Um, Sean Crocker, man, you know, he he wasn't even hitting bad putts. It was just rolling and it was just burning so many edges. You know, I was just I was texting my dad, he's like, burnt so many edges. So I'm gonna I'm gonna stop watching this guy. And every time I stopped watching him, he made birdie. Every time I went back, he barred. And then he bogeyed, and then everyone told me to get off the get off the estate, and that was it. So um yeah, it's great. You know, I think that Afi Barmrat, you know, everything would look at 17 as costing him, but it was the Saturday really that derailed his chances. Yep. But ultimately he was a he was a winner in my eyes. You know, it's been two years since he uh finished inside the top ten at the CJ Cup in twenty nineteen. Um, you know, he's been one of those guys who's been really badly affected by the pandemic in terms of travel and getting around. And uh yeah, I think it's a it's he got his PJ tour card, didn't he, at the Corn Ferry Tour finals yep. and then uh comes in and nearly wins at the European Tour. I think it's a, a, a really good return to form. Oh, absolutely. Um, and I'd be remiss if I didn't give us a shout out to, uh, you know, one of my good friends, uh, former co-host coming in on here. Axis took down the 555 um, on this past week. Yes, he had him 1% owned in the 555. Unbelievable. Uh, took down oh, 20K yesterday. Yeah. So great pick on his end. Congratulations, Axis. Um, you know, we always are rooting for you. So that was exciting. Yeah. So I can pull it up here who I was rooting with him. So he had, so it was, I mean, Horschel's ownership. I mean, Affy Barnett almost did cost him because somebody did play him in that contest. So, you know, it was something where, I mean, his ownership of it, I'm going to pull it up as we go. Because he was rooting for Bazaden, who who was on the betting card last week. I really thought, I mean, he had a Friday derail. We've been so good through like 36 holes, 18 holes. Jason's telling me I need to start betting first round leaders because, you know, it's been three tournaments in a row after day one. We were right there in the thick of things. So I thought potentially we were going to have some fun. Um, but um, so Bar or 
We had Bizetenhut in there. I'm going to pull up the wrist here. I should have been more prepared, Tom. I mean, I just threw this out there. I should have prepared this question for you. But <laughs> it was just one of those things that, for me, I mean, we love seeing guys in community do it, especially when it's access to someone so close to yourself and someone oh, yeah. has to do with the podcast as well. Um, because, like we said, we, we spoke last week about how important it was for drafting to get so heavily involved in the European Tour. It was the first time we've had a European Tour event that was just solely the center stage and and i think that showed you know really thankful for the support we had last week I and mean, the views were incredible uh, a lot of comments in there as well so we, we've had a really good week and 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 axis winning that kind of money really just took off yeah his four others were matthias schwab who we were fancy on from a DraftKings perspective yep. you know uh, a very smooth t12 finish richard bland who you know the difference of winning a contest and being not dead in the water, but a five of six, Richard Bland was three under on his final four holes on Friday to make that cut on the number. So wow. impressive. I mean, he got up and down from the rough 85 yards out on 18 on Friday to make that final birdie. I mean, he was playing for a Ryder cup chance in the senses of, you know, long shot, but kept him alive. Um, Where's his and- hand curse? I mean, he <laughs> just won someone's 20,000. Fair. Yeah. Axis maybe owes some Tim some bucks. Um, and then uh, Miko, uh, Cajonan was 3%. Uh, he finished T45. He had a really bad weekend. He was in the mix of it uh, for a little bit. And then Kawamura, who was arguably the most over or underpriced golfer of the week, he was like 30%. So great team by Axis, uh, won by a decent margin. So congrats to him. And on to um, the Dutch Open, which will be played at Bernadus Golf, um, which if you look at the European Tour site, we're going to have, we tweeted it this morning, but uh, 18 par fours, all are 400 yards, totaling up for 7,200 yards on the nose this week. Tom, do we have accurate reports of how this course is actually going to be this week? Uh, I have no further reports to, to uh, as far as I know, that is exactly what we're playing. But no, seriously, <laughs> I think that, you know, the main thing for me that I, we've tried to predict what new courses are going to play like over the year. And I've kind of got it wrong a couple of times, but wrong the Italian open. Uh, for me, Carl Phillips is a guy that's designed golf courses for a long, long time, European tour. Um, and he was a designer of the Grove, which was the 2016 British masters, uh, done Donald for the 2017 Scottish open. He remodeled the course that hosted this event in 2010 to 2012, uh, 2014 and 2015 Nordea masters and the Sicilian slash Rocky Forte opens, uh, were designed by Carl Phillips as well. So that's kind of what I've done based on the fact, I mean, from reports, it kind of suggests it's a fairly open sort of like linksy without being a true links, and the heather hasn't really developed because it's kind of year behind where it should be. So they're going to need some wind, right? If, if there's not any wind, this course is going to get torn apart, as we have seen over the past few months on the European tour, uh, which is fine. It just means that you just have to um, look for people with a hot passer and, and those iron blade coming in. Yeah, I think basically from what we see, you know, a little bit wider in those fairways, the ability, if you want to overpower it, but also kind of brings everyone in play. If you look at other Dutch Opens, KLMs, um, you know, you potentially have, I mean, Juice is the king of, of this event, um, you know, and and being his style, it's, it's not overpower, it's fairway green, you know, so if we see similar aspects to what we've seen in the past, you know, pretty much it could be wide open. It's going to be hit, hit the irons close and, and make your putts, um, which does lead us down a road of, of many golfers to discuss. Um, however, this, these are the events. I mean, I loved Wentworth. Wentworth was awesome. Um, but 
you know, the betting of Wentworth and seeing somebody like Billy Horschel, you know, take it home, deservingly so, he's one of the most talented golfers in the world. You know, it's a different beast when you go up to an event and you see Thomas Peters at 13 to 1, Brandon Grace at 14 to 1, Sam Horsfield at 18 to 1, you know, leading off the three bets under uh, 20 to 1 for the week. I mean, Horsfield had uh, a heck of a, a 36 holes. He was somebody who we've talked about Fridays have been a struggle. And then we see him go out blazing on Friday. I mean, Sammy was in the mix. I thought the number we had on him, it was peaceful. It was just going to happen. Nothing on the weekend. Flat as can be. So I'm waiting to the, the, the mid thirties to, to make moves for me, Thomas, or anybody at the top of the board that you're intrigued by. I mean, it's often time I use this. Thomas Peters is resurgence to form. I mean, you spoke about him earlier in the year when he just come back from a wrist injury. He's had the whole of April off this year. Um, really been kind of bitty of his play. I think the wrist has been bothering him. I think he's a guy that the return to form is probably being underrated slightly. I think he's going to be hugely motivated looking at the Ryder Cup uh, in, in a couple of weeks and and knowing that he was never even a thought in that team. Like Thomas Dietrich was and he wasn't. Um, a guy that obviously is a compatriot. I think he's a worthy favourite this week. Uh, I just can't back a guy like Thomas Peters to one. He's just as likely to crack a, an iron over his neck. So, um, you know, Thomas Dietrich's got to bounce back from last week. He's disqualified after uh, signing the wrong card in round two, and he was he was right out there, and he had a chance to make the Ryder Cup team if he'd done it. So these guys um, at the top four or five, you include Dean Burmester as well, um, none of them really appealed to me strongly enough, and, and I actually am just grateful they're here to inflate the odds of others. <laughs> yeah, that is very true. I mean, even looking at the guys in the mid-30s, ones that we're going to be talking about, difficult pills to swallow when we're betting them, but enough there that it, it makes sense um i thought there could be a little bit juice if they would have like marked detry as a miscut you know even though he was playing very well through 36 uh but 22 to 1 on him is probably still pretty fair overall um drafting salaries as of now have not been released uh maybe they're just trying to see what type of price pool they will offer after the the big money's last week. Hopefully we could maybe get 5k to first, but um, I think there's a lot to discuss um, above 30 to one. I'm going to start with a darling from, from the statistical standpoint over the last three months. I mean, maybe longer. Shabaka Sharma has been exceptional. I mean, from an iron game, best in this field, in my opinion, from what we've seen, I mean, he delivers, you know, incredible ball striking in the weakest or the strongest field we've seen yet. I mean, gaining almost, I think over nine strokes. Yeah. 2.36 per round last week. Um, you know, something that doing that at Wentworth, um, you know, has been something that not many other golfers can really do And something that I think really speaks to Sharma is, the way it's happened is he's been derailed by like one round out of almost his previous like 20 rounds. It's literally sitting on one round. If you look at the European Masters, he goes 68, 68, 67, close with a 76. We were on him that week when he was inside the top 10 going into Sunday. And then he shows up the next week at the Italian Open, opens with a 75, closes 66, 69, 66. And then last week, you know, the ho-hum top 10 finish, 70, 69, 68, 66. I mean, you throw out two rounds right there. I mean, of course, it's golf. You can't just throw it out. And even if you looked at before, I mean, he was just, you know, living in the 60s for forever. Um, so it feels like Shabaka Sharma is deserving of the price. Is it easy to bet him when he was triple figures last week? Um, probably not. But there's no one that screams to me. All right. I'm scared of you at the top of the board. You know, these guys are going to get priced here due to the form. 
I, I can't say no to the the hot form of what we've run with with Sharma. Whether that means we get an each way or not, thirty threes, I'm okay taking it win only. I think at the end of the day, like you have to look at this event. We say this about a few events, but it's it's, it's slightly above some of the challenge draw esque events that we've spoken about in the past. But Shabanka Sharma, I think he was seventh last week in strokes gained approach, and I think it was over nearly seven strokes gained uh, in approach, and he was. You know, 11, over 11 strokes in T to green, he was third in there as well. So, <clears throat> like you say, from a st- statistical point of view, he just cannot be ignored. And why why look at the event and go, right, he was 100 to 1 last week, and he's 33 to 1 this week, so I'm not going to bother. It's just pointless because he hasn't got to beat anybody like the guys that he was playing last week. You know, there is there is no uh, guys trying to go for Ryder Cup spots anymore. Thomas Peters is a 12 to 1 favourite. Thomas Peters isn't a 12 to 1 favourite ever you know he's just not that type of guy it's just they just don't want to take bets on him uh brandon grace is okay he's a great player um you know king's barnes is, is a course that they uh the designer designed there but again not really interested sam horsfield gonna do it for three rounds thomas dietrich not a 21 golfer so why why just oppose him purely on price another guy that was a bit like that for me was andrew johnston i spoke last yes. week about how i thought he'd be invigorated by the crowds at bnw pga exactly that like he, as soon as you hear the cries for beef he's making eagles he's making birdies it's, it's in a bunch um he even got upset at one point and then just bounced back with that eagle so i think i think there's certain golfers you just kind of have to look at it and go are they value and you're immediately scream no because they're 30 to 1 and the 33 to 1 28 to 1 and then you think but who are they playing against like yeah. once you get outside of 100 to 1 and as you get lower down those drafting salaries, you don't know yet, but it will get dicey. Like there's guys that we just don't need to talk about. Um, Santiago Ventario is another guy, just in exceptional form. It has been no drop off whatsoever. Um, and and you think about him at 30 to one. So they're both Sharma, I think, is one that we're both quite happy to go with. Um, and Tario is one that was very close to me as well. Yeah, with Tario, um, we'll talk about it later on. There's a good bit of informed challenge tour golfers and some that haven't had the same stretch of golf that he has had, but the last four weeks have been just as good, if not better. So um, the, the odds later with those guys, I think Juice Luton will of course be incredibly popular due to the course form or, or country form. Also, you know, he's just, just solid overall. There's nothing really you pick apart about him outside of, I mean, when's the last time he won? 2018? one win since 2017. So it's been some time, um, you know, he's just super steady overall. So I'm not going to fault anybody, but I would prefer to take Sharma over in that angle. Um, Will Bezeling, I thought made sense too. 35s. There's just not enough. What, what I like about Sharma is like the finishes are still like so much better than a lot of these other guys. Statistically, you know, it's been maybe on par with Bezling. Bezling's been really good off the tee. It's decent ball striking numbers. Juice does that too. But Sharma gets there more than those other guys. If you just look at pure finishes, and so does Marcel Seam. Marcel Seam at 40 to 1 is the other golfer, you know, that I think both of us are very intrigued by. Um, and again, it's and maybe it's just me reading into whether they finished inside the top 10 or not compared to, to other golfers. Of course, Seam did win, uh, you know, on the challenge tour, beat Hugo, who since the last time we talked challenge tour, Hugo is now a winner, uh, you know, of, of the challenge tour. But, you know, you look at uh, Marcel's, you know, kind of recent form, hasn't missed a cut, you know, in over 80 events. He has gone since he went into that win, fifth, first, 15th, 56th, 21st, 12th, 7th, 
34th at the Italian Open. I mean, that 15th was at the Open Championship. Just a lot more, you know, juice, in my opinion, in those finishes. And what he does right, very good with the irons. You know, overall, tee to green game can be there. If you're going to have to take it low, of course, that putter has to heat up like it did at the Open Championship. But, you know, Marcel is somebody in this range that I think has just more in him versus other golfers right now. He had that 11th place finish at the Chrome as well, which is what I was just confirming there. Oh, yeah. It's something that really stuck out to me because this is a guy that we know once he gets on the heater, he can keep it rolling. He has been keeping it rolling since that challenge to win in much bigger events than what he has been playing in. He was actually really unfortunate that he wasn't at Wentworth last week because that's a course that he absolutely loves. He always seems to pop up there. Um, and I, I think, you know, I think he put an Instagram post out about that he was dealing with a bit of a shoulder injury as well. Um, and he's really glad to be back out of that. So if, if he had a bit of a shoulder problem over the last couple of weeks and finished thirty fourth and seventh, then you wonder what he's going to do here. I mean, that's not to say that that was the only reason he didn't win. But and your point about Sharma, I really like as well that he gets there a lot. I think that when Sharma's finishing tied ninth, tied twelfth, tied sixteenth, and stuff like that, that feels like the worst he can do. Like it feels like he's sleepwalking into those results because he's he's letting himself down in one round. He's he's having a bad putting week, whatever. The, that's the floor finishes at the moment based on his iron and, and driver game. And I just yeah. think eventually it's just going to click one week and he's just going to go and win. He's going to win by two or three shots. Yep. Yep. hundred percent agree. Um, and again, this is a different field. You, you look at the numbers, the guys we're talking about through, I mean, I get the eighties for some of my next picks. Um, you know, I know Brandon Stone was brought up by Ben Coley this week, who, you know, potentially you think of that category. I mean, you see Daniel Van Tonder, who was a winner in this range. Jazz Watanan, you know, of course, had prolific, win, not prolific, but a, a, a significant amount of victories, you know, kind of on his resume. You know, golfers, George Katsia in that same mold. I mean, Stone fits that because a Rolex winner, you know, a lot to that. But you picked out a couple of golfers still chasing that kind of um, win. Um, so I, I'm curious, kind of your range or, or your thoughts in the mid-range here. Yeah, I mean, so first of all was, was David Halsey, who has got those wins, but probably doesn't win as much as he should do. I mean, they're spread out over a number of years. Um, but he's got a 12th place finish at that British Masters that we've been talking about in 2016. He was fourth and sixth in this event. And in the years that the designer had remodeled that course, different course, but you know, should have similar signs. The decent form at the moment, second, 13th, 27th, 30th, the second he really should have won in Northern Ireland as well, um, tends to just take advantage of these smaller events. Now, I've spoken to him on the podcast before, um, he doesn't really read too much into that. It doesn't worry about too much what's going on around him, but I almost don't think he realises how he works his schedule out. And it's just that he will turn up. I mean, you look at his iron play and it's, it's middling to average quite often, but when it comes into this event, he's probably near the top. He's a guy that, when you look at it, he's only got three or four wins on his on his resume. And these are guys, he's going up against guys that just haven't won. Um, yep. And I look at him and he's playing in, it's in the same sort of areas like Graham McDowell, who's basically semi-retired. I mean, let's be <laughs> fair. I know he, he could be made the cut at Wentworth and stuff like that, but the, the deepness of this field is is nothing. It's non-existent. There yep. are guys that are coming through and challenge and they're worth looking out on, but once you get past something, I mean, once you get past this next guy and a couple of guys we've gone to, I really don't see uh, much value. I mean, the other guy looks like Joachim Lagergren, and he's a guy that many like to bet at loads of different events. Like, he makes a pill at 200 to 1, and then people bet him at 33 to 1, and 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 everywhere in between. Like, he's not a guy that you just go, right, well, I'll wait until he gets to 100, 150, 200, then I'll back him. 
He's like, right, if he's in form, I'm going with him. He's won the Sicilian Open. He's got three top four finishes at Dunhill Links, including a 62 at Kings Barnes, which the course design was obviously designed there. Um, seventh and ninth this event at different courses. He was 18th at the Grove at 2016 British Masters. And his form is just quietly sneaking into something decent. Tied 35th, tied 17th, tied 27th over the last course, five events. So, you know, this, again, is a 27th place finish at the BNW PGA Championship Wentworth. What does that correlate to in this kind of field? And it's not as simple as that because people don't just keep it going week on week, but there's enough ties to the course and the designer from Lager and previous form this event to suggest you can keep it going for another week. Yeah, uh, very fair. And I think, um, you know, the due diligence of, of looking into the victories from some of those guys potentially might be, um, you know, different from, well, the way I classified, you know, some maybe even the lower tours in which could see a Van Tonder and John Wantanon kind of ripped up. So it makes sense. I forget too that David Law um, snuck in that one win. Um, but um, for me, I go through the challenge tour on both of my next selections. And I, I sat here deciphering, is it one? Is it the other? Do I go Matthias Schmid because he was a first round leader last week, did well, made the cut at the open championship. So I'm pop a little bit, um, you know, just before that in Germany, I ultimately just said, you know, there's two golfers that clearly are in elite form when it comes to challenge tour finishes. And, you know, both of them have racked up wins. Both of them are 80 to one. And at the end of the day, I couldn't decipher enough between those two guys. So Alfredo Garcia, Haribia? <laughs> Tom, that was good. That was, that was Holy amazing. cow. We, we're going to have to start getting you a, is he Spanish? We're going to have to get you a yeah. Spanish flag up now yeah. as, well, as well as the Italian flag. That's pretty good. So if you look at recent form, um, kind of leading him in. So we had a fourth place last week at the Big Green Egg. First the week before um, into that. You know, so back-to-back -back weeks, I guess the form isn't, you know, long going as some of the other guys, like we mentioned, Santario, um, Tario, but, you know, hasn't missed a cut since July, had another third place finish, two other top 15s there. So 80 to one, you know, that one to me, ultimately lining up next to uh, Ricardo Gouvier. I don't know if that's as good. Gouvier. It Gouvet. wasn't as good, but I did like it. I mean, Gouvier yeah. sounds like you're not sure. It's like, Gouvier. Yeah. You know, he is Portuguese, just to clarify. He's not like yeah. Spanish like the other guy. No. But, you know, you look at his previous five events, third place last week, or two weeks ago, as it was, cut in between there, fourth place, victory, victory. So, you know, five weeks of, I mean, one miscut in there, but four excellent weeks in the middle of that. We saw the run that made Daniel Gavins with the victory. And we saw him also fall completely off the map already. You know, after that, we saw Chase Hanna chase, um, you know, a victory for us, what, or what was hoped to be a victory. Sunday didn't go our way, but, you know, in the mix, looking at places for him, there's just so much talent on these guys. I mean, they're not young bucks that are coming up here. You know, they've been around the block for quite some time, you know, almost kind of fight that, you know, Marcel seem kind of victory. I mean, what Gouvet had two wins in 2015 was the last time kind of we we've seen, you know, elite performances out of him. So I just, I I'm worth taking those chances at both of those golfers. I don't prefer one to the other. It was either none or, you know, zero, but how do you separate, um, you know, that, that to me, I just was like, okay, there's room on my card. 
you know, we can bet them both. And, you know, Alfredo does have a win. I think that was 2018. Now that would have been on the Alps tour. So still chasing kind of some European tour love there, but enough with both of them. 80 to one, I am definitely willing to risk both of that at the prices. So my way of separation was just looking at what Cuvier has done um, on the European tour when he's when he's been at that stage. And like you mentioned, he, he'd won twice 2015. He'd won in 2014 as well in Challenge Tour. He's got two wins, 2021. So we know what he did at the Challenge Tour level. He should have actually, he should have had three wins. So he should have already got his European Tour card. He's going to get it. It's just a formality now. Um, but his European Tour career before dropping down to the Challenge Tour has been pretty significant. I mean, he had a third place finish at Ned Bay Golf Challenge, which we know is a pretty elite field at times for the European Tour. Um, he was fifth in the Portugal Masters, obviously his home event. He was ninth in the British Masters. I think he's played well in Qatar as well. I think he might be tied sixth there. Um, you know, he's just had some really, really solid bank of form in the European Tour and Denmark as well, another top 10. Um, it's just 13th for the Turkish Airlines Open, a big event, Rolex Series event to start with. You know, he just has performed at that level. So for me, he's coming back to where he belongs, whereas with Garcia, you know, you, you don't quite know if he's at the same level. Admittedly, they're both in the same sort of form and it is hard to split them now and that's all that matters. But for me, I just like the bank of form that Kuvier has brought up. Yeah, absolutely. If you're going off the pedigree, I can I can see that uh, within there. For me, um, I'm also having one more selection under 100 to 1. Was there anyone else before we go uh, to the last one here that you'd like to discuss? So I thought Paul Peterson, again, on, on the same lines of the guys that you were just talking about there, is... is you know, a fair enough pick. Lucas Beauregard keeps improving and just keeps doing it in different parts of his game. So Chase Hannah, you've mentioned, I thought was worth, you know, a discussion at least, but he seems to be on the decline, right? And it's not just he's struggling in the European Tour, he's, he's actually missing cuts on the Challenge Tour again. So that was a little bit of concern. I was interested to see you mention Matthias Schmid. I think if the DraftKings contest get off, I think he'll be a name that people will sort of come to because of his the Open Championship and stuff like that. But I don't think he's in the same form as the guys that you've just been talking about. So I think he's almost easier to ignore. But yeah, for me, it's, it's the guys that we've got coming out that are probably ones to be more interested. So the next one on that um, kind of note would for me be Niall Kearney. Um, Niall Kearney has, hasn't got the same weekly opportunities, um, you know, as some of the other golfers has, as his status um, has been a little bit ever-changing. But you can look back to, I mean, the recent stretch of three events in a row, 29th finish, you know, 35th finish. And then he was, I believe, ninth um, or eighth at the eighth Hero the Open. Hero, yeah. Yep. And it's just really short spurts of good form. I mean, you look at open 71 at the Hero Open, closes 69, 66, 66 on the weekend there. Rolled that into, um, you know, opening at 68, 70, which saw him inside the top 10. Um, you know, through 36 holes, uh, the next week at the kazoo. And then, you know, that seventh place, uh, or I guess the 29th place finish was driven by statistics. We'd like to see irons were on fire. You know, he had that. If you remember, it wasn't even all that long ago when he opened with, I think he opened with a 65, um, at the BMW international went 68 the next day, you know, inside the top four through three rounds before that Sunday, 71 didn't go his way, but just, you know, potentially because we haven't seen him since the uh, Czech Masters, we're getting a little discount relative to what that form is. Is that form much different than than maybe what Paul Peterson did with a pop-up here 
or, you know, I mean, Richard Manzel did it with a pop-up there type of thing. You know, I could easily have seen Kearney if that performance had been last, I guess not last week, but two weeks ago in some of those events, we could have potentially seen this number uh, maybe in the 60s. So Jason, you know, your podcast host really likes uh, Kearney as well overall from a talent end because, you know, he's come out with some laser irons on days. So 90 to one um, feels good for somebody who can score quite a bit. Yeah, I mean, it's all about scoring quite a bit. He shot 64 and a 61 in the Canary Islands, which you know is obviously set up as an easy course. Gary Kiko went 66, 63, 64, 64. But there's a difference between shooting 64 and 61. And Kearney did it with just on a Sunday, um, you know, maybe not, you know, definitely in contention, but just speaks to the volumes of the irons he can hear. And I think you made a really good point that he doesn't get the consistent starts because of his status. And that's massive. Part. I mean, we've talked about you've got two different ends of the scale we talked about like will zalatorius who was like struggling with like monday qualifiers and not getting status and course performance couldn't build momentum and it's the same sort of thing with noel kearney so if you look at his results and you think that they're, they're pretty good imagine what they could be like if he just knew where he was playing every week it's yeah not like he's dropping down to challenge tour he's just not starting events and maybe that's a little bit of his own schedule maybe you could put some challenge tour starts in there as well but you know this is a guy that knows he's probably european sort of quality um and and just wants to stay there and, and hopefully next year it's better for him yep 100 so excited for him this week um you know normally we'd go through kind of our 6k range and highlight a couple golfers here but again salaries still not released um i want you to discuss this final golfer um that we're both betting this week that fortunately and and unfortunately has seemed to be a popular pick. I thought we were finding um, some, you know, diamonds in the rough with Lee Slattery, um, who has now appeared on multiple betting cards of guys that I respect who follow the European tour. But Tom, you were in on him early. I just loved his progressive form, specifically with the irons. But talk to me a little bit about this course correlation and, and why you're in on Slattery. So I messaged you earlier, Sky, didn't I? And said, I've got the part of my research and my uh, card where I am convinced that Lee Slattery is going to win. Um, and you said, oh, no, he's on my shortlist too. <laughs> and I said, look, just go and bet him now, because I imagine if we've found all this information, there's going to be a lot of other guys that probably find it as well. Um, and unfortunately, they have in terms of price, but fortunately, they have in the sense of Ben Coley's picked him up, and, and that's a, a massive good sign for us. So Lee Slattery, seventh in the 2015 Nordea Masters. Um, obviously, course links there. 2016 British Masters, he was 12th. 2017 Scottish Open, he was in ninth. But he opened with... I can't remember if it was a 75 or 77, but he was in 120th place and still finished ninth. Um, and he's been 11th and 13th in Sicily as well. His strokes gain approach numbers have gone 55th, 48th, 19th, 9th, 7th. Those have been in very decent uh, fields as well. You know, last time out 13th for the European Masters in France last year. So the finishes haven't been electric, 38th, 40th, 45th, but the 13th feels like a culmination of what's been going well for him. He was always a guy on the European tour that you could back as a first round leader. You could back to to contend and finish inside the top 10, but never really got the job done an awful lot. And there's nothing really to suggest that that's going to change as much now later on in life. But he did win the Madrid Masters in 2011. He did win the Russian Open in 2015. So he does win. Um, he's played well at the Italian Open Czech Masters. So he's got this kind of form. KLM, he's obviously finished uh, inside the top two there. So He's got previous on this uh, in this location as well. I think I think for me, one of the things is whether you believe he can win. And one of the things that I like that Ben said that sort of furthers our point is that like, is he going to take inspiration from like a rich black? Like this is a guy that if he doesn't do something now, 
he's losing his card and it's hard to get back like the talent is getting better and better he's in his mid 40s um you know he's not he's not the guy that can hit it 350 yards off the tee so he needs to take advantage of these irons he needs to get himself a win before the year is out and I, I genuinely do think he can do this. It isn't just a prize play. It isn't just a, an each way. I think he generally can win this tournament. Yeah, uh, he is somebody who I think from a, a modeling and even statistical standpoint, leading into Q school days, remembering kind of what his upside has been. Yeah, I think there's a lot in Slattery. So to see, you know, joint people in on that long of a selection, I think it's a good thing. You know, the number might end up being... 66 by the time he tees off on Thursday because a lot of selections, but, you know, grabbing him as early as you can at the, at hopefully triple digits with an each way. I, I love that. Let's, let's um, hope Tim picks him up and puts him on. <laughs> hey, amen. Amen. Maybe we can shift 20 K like axis, you know, um, from, from this perspective, um, I think we're just going to run through kind of a list of golfers. I'm going to just ask you in or out and we'll, I'm assuming they're going to be in the six case, but, um, want to make sure if you are a podcast junkie, if you're somebody who prefers this to the audio formats, you can find us on daily fantasy sports, picks and bets, the mix that's available on all your different podcast platforms. And we would love to see you rate review, subscribe, smash that like button, give us support. You know, a lot of this, you know, comes from, you know, our time spent researching, enjoying this, but also, you know, to grow the, the better of the platform and keep pushing Pat's vision that we all love to be a part of, you know, we really appreciate that support. So Tom, I'm going to rip through some of our guys here I'm just in and out. I'm going to say a decent amount of them, I think. Um, and I'm going to go in order of odds. So this is probably close to the cutoff. Marcus Heligadil. <laughs> out. And it's no. not because of your pronunciation. <laughs> Dude, come on. He was automatic, yes. I'm absolutely playing him this week. I almost bet him because his form, and this is not one word at all, but his form isn't that bad. He won four weeks ago on the Challenge Tour, second place last week there. He is absolutely in play. I don't know how to pronounce your last name still, but Marcus, you are going to find your DraftKings lineups this week. Um, Adrian Sadier. In. Yeah, I like that. There we go. Craig Howie. Mm. Out. Same. Gavin Green. In. I woke up and he was a hundred over par on Thursday. <laughs> so Maybe Wentworth I, wasn't the spot, Tom. Maybe it wasn't the spot. I I I think did he start with a, a triple and then birdie? It was bad. I was like, this is the Gavin Green experience. Like, sign up for it. And then he is absolutely tearing it up on Friday. He makes seven birdies. I think, oh, he's got a chance to make the cut. Oh, just such a horrendous start. Could have beaten his, his um, round one score by 12 strokes. He makes a nine on the 18th hole. A nine! Yeah. And that has absolutely destroyed his, his iron numbers. Uh, he's off the tee, actually, gained um, on the Friday, which is something that's not been uh, in Gavin Green's wheelhouse uh, on, on uh, of late. But, yeah, I think slightly open layout. Um irons get him in yep i agree with that there okay we keep going through here i guess it does get thin a little bit elvis smiley eh, in nice toby tree in you love toby tree podcast guest toby tree yeah. probably slightly biased <laughs> martin simonson 
Did you see who was leading the challenge for last week after 36 holes? Our guy. Andre Leeser. Yes. Pushcart Mafia. Yes. Yes, absolutely. Andre Leeser. And he hasn't quite done it on the European Tour yet, has he? Um, He's been so bad. <laughs> but and it, this is why it pains me, because every time I look at him in Challenge 3, he's just firing. And it's just like, dude, all you've got to do is do exactly the same thing. It, it's not harder. They're easy golf courses you're playing. You're not playing at Wentworth. You're playing at all the easy events. It's just fire irons. I mean, what is it? Has he got a caddy and he's not used to having a caddy? I just don't know. Yeah. Rumor has it. Monday Q info tweeted that that bag might cost $2,000 to have. So, which seems the opposite of he's, what it's protecting. He's probably sold it. That's pretty <laughs> keep his car. So, okay. We'll keep going here. Oh, it's tough down here, man. Um, Barry Henson. In. I'm just try, I'm trying to pick guys that I think you would, would say yes to. Robin Skiatsigris. Out. Okay. Lars out. Van Miehel. No, but he does sound like a cat when you say it. Yeah. Nikolai Van Dellinghausen. You're just picking all the fancy names now, aren't you? Yeah, I'm that's out. it. Okay. What about, okay. What about Christopher Wrighton? He just bombs it. Does he do anything else in his game? I mean, probably not. These are the type of courses, though, if you're going to play. Like I did at the Czech Masters. I played him because that course felt like it was just something you could bomb, and he didn't do well there. So I will pass. Um, Pedro Figueiredo. I'm holding for it. Yeah, I'm probably passing. I can't believe you haven't got, like, a a former fisherman champion from the the Dutch docks to to post at 1,001. I mean, what are you doing? I actually have two people coming, Tom. I didn't. I didn't bet them, but are I'm, you I'm, too sharp now? Because you're in the NFC space, you have to actually make you know logistical decisions and and more thought out processes. You can't just bat these ten thousand bombs. In. No, fake news. I absolutely <laughs> still. Like, I just didn't have the courage to put them on the betting card because it hasn't gone well. Um, so the last one before I talk about those two, uh, actually three, I have to talk about um, your guy Daniel Young. He missed the cut on the challenge tour. If he would have made the cut in the challenge tour his last time out, I think I would have been in. Okay, so Dutch amateur time. So if we go through, we see the winner of this year's Dutch Open was, oh, I had it up. Of course you did. Nope. It is Lars van der Weyt. Lars Vanderveit, he's in the field, got himself in. He is an incoming freshman. Um, so he's, you know, not even, I don't think 19 years old, 18 years old. I think he's going to University of Texas El Paso or, or small school in Texas. Um, he is going to this uh, upcoming fall. So he won um, the Dutch Open uh, or the, the amateur one. But the, the real talent, oh, he's going to Texas Rio Grand Valley. Um, you know, big difference. So Kiet Vanderweel at 500 to one is, is definitely the best of the Dutch amateurs. He's probably going to be like 6K flat, um, you know, if we're lucky for it there. But if you look at his recent form, 24th last week on the Pro Golf Tour, 
He was 17th the week before on the challenge tour. So we're up in a little bit. Second place, he lost to the guy we just talked about at the Dutch Amateur by one or by two strokes, even his second there and a couple other top fives just before that. Um, so he is by far the, the best of the amateur bunch. I believe he, he actually has kind of a string of second place finishes in that Dutch amateur championship. Uh, but just definitely the, the biggest talent of that bunch. The, the second one would be um, Dario Antonis. Um, he actually finished fourth last week on the pro golf tour was top 10 in the Dutch stroke play. Not that long ago, um, as well, there was a, a Monday ad to the field. He has been brutal to say the least in the start to his career, but Angus Flanagan, who was a, a decent amateur top 33, uh, was his, his top ranking who he missed all of his cuts on the McKenzie tour, sadly. Um, but he has a spot sponsor exemption this week. So if I had picking the pick of the litter of them, if you're going to see one, maybe a top 20, if I decide to get a little wild on, uh, on Wednesday, that would definitely be uh Kiet Vanderweel of that bunch. Um, Tom, you mentioned the NFTs here. I'd be lying if I didn't want a quick plug the show that we did earlier on Mayo Media Network, NFTs Live, uh, with my man, Tyler D. Uh, we went 12 o'clock uh, this afternoon. If you want to uh, go back and watch the YouTube, it's live on Mayo Media Network. It'll be Mondays and Fridays live, 12 p.m. Eastern. A little bit of a mix. It's right now a little bit uh, tamed towards those that have some experience in the NFT level, but we're going to be coming out with kind of a beginner series too. Um, some one-off kind of evergreen just for you, Tom, um, kind of walk you through a lot of the basics, why we're into this, what it is, how to get onboarded, um, do some of those while simultaneously having our live updates of the pulse of the market. But that wraps up Dutch Open for me, Tom. Anything else that you have this week? I just wanted to mention that Kurt Vanderbilt did play in this event in 2019 when he was about eight years old and he shot a 71 in the opening round. Um, did shit the bed and shoot 76 in round two. He's but... probably nervous, man. He's probably top 10. He was 10, like yes. seven years old. Like his, his dad was probably just carrying him around. Like, you know, it's he's here now. He's experienced at 12 years of age. You might as well put him in. And I, I came across a website, Tom, that had prolific details on all European tour amateurs, European golf rankings, I think it's called like this site, I was able to get way more detail than the wagger. I might just be reading it every night. Way, way down the <laughs> whole wormhole there. But, uh, but no, seriously, just to follow on your point about the NFC show, because, you know, as a guy that I, I legitimately have absolutely zero knowledge of NFTs, like I, I know what an NFT is. I just don't understand why they're valuable. So for me, you put up a picture of an NFT that you've paid $1,000 for, and I'm going, yoink, I'll just copy and paste it and put it in my wallet. So we got to come listen. Yeah, there is a reason to do it. And I was in there earlier, and you know, some of the language, some of the stuff you, you need to get used to. But once you, once you listen to the guys for half an hour, an hour, you do certainly get the idea of what things are going on. Um, these are sharp people, you know, you see that the, the level of detail that Sky puts into his, you know, golf picks, you know, he's going to go and further that in NFC. So go and listen to Sky. Um, I felt really unintelligent today. Um, so the beginner ones will help me, but if you've got any sort of NFC experience, go listen to the, to the live shows and uh, look out for the beginner content if you're not. I much appreciate that, Tom. It's going to be a fun journey in addition to what we're going to continue on, um, especially as we got Ryder Cup week next week. So we got some yeah, big. Don't uh, you dare leave me. <laughs> don't, don't, you know. No. 
Don't you worry. <laughs> don't you worry. But let's uh, go back to your betting card one more time for the Dutch Open. Yeah, so I think with you, Siobhan Kashama at 30 or 33 to 1, I think it's uh, someone you just don't want to pass up. David Horsey, I think he's 40, 45 to 1. Joachim Lagergren there at 70 to 1. And Lee Slattery, I don't know what price he is nowadays, but uh, he's probably about 50 to 1 by the time this comes out. But uh, he's 150 to 1 at one point. So they're my picks for the week. Amen. Shabaka Sharma for me, 33s. Marcel Seam, 40. Alfredo Garcia Claridia, 80 to 1. Ricardo Gouvier, 80 to 1. Niall Kearney, 90s. And Lee Slattery, hopefully still triple digits we can find as we close up. Best of luck to everybody this week at the Dutch Open, and we'll see you for the Ryder Cup.